Welcome into the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Howe. What's up, guys? And our producer, Mike Coyle. Hey. Today is Saturday, April 23rd. We have the NFL Draft Fast approaching, so we are pumping out some more content. Just a reminder, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your audio podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. So, what are our uh, Twitter and Instagram handles? They should both be at Fantasy Oddballs, yeah. unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, so we are. I'm, I'm, my my uh, personal Twitter is at CoilFF, and uh, Rye. It's just at Ryan McNichols, just my first and last name, because I'm not very creative and I'm going to keep it simple. Cool. And Rick, you can find Rick on the streets. Yeah, no, I need to make a Twitter account. I'll yeah, we'll, we'll be there one day. We're working on it. Yeah. TBA. So, uh, Rich doesn't want to give the establishment too much information. Exactly. Who uh, who are we talking about today, guys? So we're going to be digging through some more uh, rookie prospects. Today we are going to start off with North Carolina QB Sam Howell. You want to start off with Sam Howell, Rich? I know he was kind of your guy. You yeah. talked about him before. Yeah, so. Sam Howell's a guy that I really liked in college. Right? I had, he had a little bit of a, uh, a step back this season, a lot of folks were saying, but he lost a ton of weapons, right? He lost Javante Williams, he lost Diami Brown and Amari Rogers, and the offensive line wasn't quite what it was either from the previous season. But he's a guy who's got all the tools, man. He's got mobility, he's got arm strength, um, he's a great deep ball passer, he's got good touch, he throws for multiple arm angles, which you know NFL executives and scouts love, and he throws with good anticipation. But it does, he does have some negatives that come with him, he's not perfect. Um, he's got a little on the shorter side. Uh, six foot and five eighths inches. Um, he has a tendency to lock on to one target sometimes, not go through progressions. Um, his pocket awareness, um, sometimes he doesn't step up to avoid the contact. He gets caught in the back of the pocket a little bit. Um, and it's just his accuracy is a little inconsistent. He's a guy, I think, with NFL coaching and given some time to develop. I think he's a guy who, who has all the tools. Yeah, so I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Sam Howell had a... He was kind of like Desmond Ritter, where he had a steady, steadily productive college career, but he never exploded. He never went from kind of, you know, middling numbers to huge numbers, but he always kind of put up above average numbers. And that's something that, again, a lot of scouts and everybody seems to hold against these prospects at times. He does have the versatility to be a threat with his feet, so he's got some duality. I wouldn't necessarily call him a running quarterback, but he's a he's a mobile quarterback, yeah, he's more and like I think a that's power what you running need. quarterback. He put on the tape. He's always lowering his shoulder. Carson Wentz, Big Ben, that yeah. kind of running mm-hmm. styles. What you're thinking about? Yeah. So. He's got the arm to make all the throws. He's got great footwork. Of all the QBs, I think he might have the best footwork of any of the QBs in this draft. He's good accuracy when he's in rhythm, like you said. He, he can get into the zone, and kind of, but when, it's when he gets thrown off rhythm, and that's going to happen in the NFL when you're facing these rushes, so that's kind of a concern. He does make, he does make tight, throw, tight throws, win, throws into tight windows over the middle. Uh, but it's kind of a limit, and it's kind of limited to that sort of section. You don't see it too much on the uh, out ball and deep ball as much as you do. So his main problems seem to come behind the ears, right? He seems to struggle with some decision-making in the pocket. It's not that he doesn't have the talent to throw and run. It's that he sometimes, you know, maybe is a little slow to read defenses and coverages and just... He he doesn't have the greatest anticipation. He waits for his receivers to get open as opposed to anticipating the break and putting the ball there while they're already open in stride. So he doesn't give him a whole lot of room to operate after the catch. So that's some of the downside to Sam Howe. However, a lot of that can be coached. I mean, again, yeah. I, he, I think he has all the physical tools to be what you need to be more than a game manager, but not quite 
the Josh Allen quarter. I know we keep uh, so let's where then. So where would you maybe, say maybe something like top? I mean, top top would be maybe Derek Carr type guy. If if he hits his potential, I think maybe a little more than Derek Carr because he's got the rushing yeah. upside that I don't think Derek he, he Carr could has. Be a so right in the red zone, so especially with the run. Derek Carr is a top ten quarterback, isn't that he hovers at the top ten, usually around twelve or so. I think Sam Howe potentially could hover actually at like the ten spot and bounce in and out on a week to week basis at the professional level if he hits his ceiling. His more likely, his most likely outcome is how we should view him at this point. Is how a lot of he, he, I wouldn't draft him to be more than a low end quarterback two at this point in time. Because of the uncertainty, we don't know where he's going. I mean, he he could be five of five. He could be going in the second round, and that kind of will tell you what NFL teams think about him. So, at the moment, I would say quarter he's he's a low end quarterback too, and I I could probably give a handful of other guys I would take that would I would rather have over him starting. How how are you feeling about that, Rich? Yeah, I mean for for fantasy purposes, there's a lot of guys I'd rather start over him for this right. upcoming season. I was kind of talking about in Dynasty as well. I think I'd be oh. drafting him expecting low-end QB2 until I'm proven otherwise. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you're more looking year two and year three uh, is him really stepping up. All right. Okay. All right. So let's move on from Sam Howe then. We are going to go to tight end out of UCLA, Greg Dulcich. So Greg Dulcich, again, he played out of UCLA, kind of – He's one of these guys that's gotten better each year. His production's gone up each year. He goes from 100 receiving yards to 500 in 2020 to 700 receiving yards last season in 2021. Also had five touchdowns to go along with that. Tested really well at the Combine. He's a fast guy. He ran a 4.740. That's uh, pretty impressive for a guy who's just under 6 foot and weighing about 250 pounds. And just did kind of well overall in the athletic testing among tight ends there. So he's got good speed. He's got good athletic ability. He's got the size you're looking for in the tight end. He's got strong hands. He make he makes catches away from his body. He snatches the ball out of his hand. And you don't got to worry about it getting knocked out. And he's got good versatility to kind of be lined up all over. But you can line him in the slot. You can line him, you know, up as an H-back. However you want to use your tight end, essentially. He does have some downsides, though. He's a little bit like Zach Ertz. He doesn't break too many tackles after after the catch. There's not going to be a whole lot of uh, broken tackles or running through guys that you see with some of the other tight ends. You look like you have something you want to chime in with there, or yeah, it's his, play, his play strength, it's just him being able to you know fight through contact after making catches and and you know running, uh, getting that yak. Okay, yeah. And to go with that, I mean, he's not a particularly explosive guy. Again, he's fast, but you wouldn't necessarily say he's explosive. It's, I mean, given his size, it's kind of hard for tight ends to be considered necessarily explosive. That's a little rare. That's reserved for those uh, top guys like a Kittle or, or you know, a Kelsey. He, like you said, the physicality that's going to relate over into the blocking game, and this might what this might be what limits him from getting on the field early to begin with. Again, unless you're drafted to be a starting tight end on a team, and not many teams go in like saying, I need to draft this guy to be my starting tight end. If they do, it's usually a first or second round guy like a Kyle Pitts or maybe a little bit later like a Pat Frymuth. But I don't think anyone's going in saying, I'm going to draft Greg Dulcich to be my starting tight end. I don't even think there's that many availabilities at tight end for a start, starting tight end position because the NFL from team to team varies how much they actually use the tight end. So I, he's going to take a while to get on the field if he struggles with the blocking aspect and the physicality. He's also, you know, got some concentration drops. He's a little raw, essentially, as a tight end product. He, need, a, he needs some refinement. Yeah, so he's a taxi guy. 
Yeah, be a prime yeah. candidate for a taxi squad. Yeah. So sure. he's a late round guy. He he's you know grab him in in a rookie in a rookie draft. Grab him in you know the fifth round of your league to be a tight end to hold on for. You know maybe he potentially depending on how the tight ends fall or who else is available. If there's some other guys ahead of him, you could even let him get to free agency and wait a while. I don't think he'll be a. I don't think he'll do too much this year. Is what I'm saying. Do you feel any differently at all? I mean, given the right system where he lands, I could see him. You know, being a solid tight end too, serviceable. You know, flex uh, play at certain weeks. You know, right, bye but week so, fill in or. But so you're not. You wouldn't be then using him in fantasy this year. And how many people are keeping a team's tight end two on the roster? Yeah, He's a guy you could probably pick up in free agency if you don't get him in in the draft. Is kind of how I feel. Yeah, I just if you feel him. stronger about him then. Would you take him any higher than the la- than like the fifth round of a, of a, dyna- a rookie draft? I'd consider it late third, early fourth. Wow. It depended on landing spot for sure. I mean, I like the talent. You put on the tape. You... The, the thing I really liked was if he lands in the right system, his ability to get vertical, right? If he lands in one of these vertical passing offenses, I think his, his upside is going to be is large. I guess I just feel that I'd rather take a shot on – Running backs, wide receivers, or quarterbacks in the third and fourth round that would have upside as opposed to a tight end. Uh, like, just the relative value at the position of the tight end, unless we're talking about a guy that's going to be a true difference maker at the tight end position, I don't know if I want to draft them higher than I would say, you know. Some of these later round wide receivers that are going to go like a Khalil Shakir, depending on how he falls, or, you know, maybe John Mechie falls real far because of his injury, like, Rather take a shot on those guys is just where I'm saying the the the, t- the value of the tight end position is where I is why I put him further down than you. Okay. So let's move on then to the running backs out of Georgia, and I said that plural because there's two of them that we're going to talk about. We're going to start off with James Cook. He's a little bit of the hotter name as far as the major scouts go and all that. He was kind of the lead back at Georgia. Had a productive time there. He's a guy again who last year essentially doubled the production that he had from years prior. He went from, you know, having 300 yards in 2020 with three touchdowns, again, only through eight games because of the shortened season, having 700 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns last year. Also contributed 284 yards as a receiver. It's kind of where his strengths lie in the receiving game. Rich, do you want to talk about James Cook? Do you want me to take this one? How do you want to go? Um, I, could, I could do it. All right. Yeah. So uh, James Cook, um, great athlete. Right, we saw it with the 40 time 442. Uh, decent vertical, but a pretty impressive broad jump. Um, he's got very good hands out of the backfield. Um, his route running uh, is very good. He was a weapon on design pass plays. Um, you saw him be versatile in where he was lined up. I mean, lined up H back. You saw him out wide on the boundaries, a wide receiver. You saw him in the slot. Right, and, and it wasn't just him being out there as a decoy. He ran routes and caught passes from those spots. He's a guy who's got great balance and great body control. You watch when, when um, he's making cuts, his feet are always underneath him, his pads um, are vertical um, to the line of scrimmage, right? Did I say that right? No, horizontal to the line of scrimmage. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty impressive on tape. He's impressive. Yeah, and one of the things I liked about him, he's got something a lot of guys, he's had that elite stop and start ability, so, like, he can gear down and gear up really mm-hmm. quickly. So that makes him kind of one of those shiftier guys to juke people out. So the downsides with him, though, he's 5'11", 199. He's just hovering on that threshold for size that you want for a three-down back. 
And that's why a lot of people will more project him to be kind of a, a passing down back and less of a three down back. I think if he could put on five to ten pounds and still keep, you know, his playing speed and all that, that he could potentially move into that third round role. So he's got that possibility, but again, at the moment, he's kind of short on that. He doesn't necessarily have elite vision or strength. Again, a lot of have the strength having to do with his size. The vision's kind of, you know, more of a, just a mental, I don't even know what that's more of a mental thing, just how you process the field and, and read everything, so... And then because of his lack of size and physicality, he does what a lot of the running backs do that might be a problem transitioning to the NFL level. He likes to bounce out a lot. He tries to bounce outside too much when the hole isn't necessarily there up the middle because he doesn't necessarily have the strength to run through guys. So, Can I, can I just really quickly interject here? Uh, James Cook also, uh, funnily enough, shares a name with an 18th century British explorer who was <laughs> then... <laughs> Killed in Hawaii while trying to ca- trying to kidnap the the natives <laughs> trying to kidnap the chief of the island. So I don't know, kind of crazy stuff. When you Google his name, James Cook is not the first. James Cook, the running back, is not the the first person to come up, which I think is really funny right now. The so. European colonists who tried to kidnap the natives and got killed. Yeah, yeah. So surprising. Well, fun fact for you there. Uh, alrighty then. So. Back to James Cook, the running back out of Georgia, who's going to be selected in this upcoming draft. (laughs) One of the other problems is that he has a little bit of a character concern issue, I guess you could say. He was arrested in 2019 for driving with an open alcohol container and and driving without a valid license. And, I mean, those are the official charges. We kind of know how this is with college athletes and all, though. He most likely should have been given a DUI and was probably slapped off on the wrist. This is pure speculation. But just something to kind of consider when you when you read the charges and then, like, you know, it, it, it just seems like there was probably more to the story than just that. He might have gotten a little bit of a slap on the wrist. So I don't know how much that concerns you. Does that bother you at all, Rich? I mean, that just seems like it might have been a college yeah, kid being most, a college yeah. kid. But hope, hopefully they grow up in the NFL, but we see some guys that don't. So where do we fall on James Cook? Where, what round are you taking him in, in, a dyna, in a rookie draft? Probably the second. I don't think I'd feel comfortable taking him in the first just yet because I'm not sure that there's that three-down upside. Um, I worry about the size. Um, I really do see him being the receiving end in a, in a uh, committee. Yeah, so I think he might find a way to work his way onto the field during his rookie season because of his pass-catching ability. But like you said, I, I, so I think his upside is a 1B. I don't think he'll ever be a 1A in an offense. And I think at best... He could be in a timeshare like a Javante Williams or a Melvin Gordon or Nick Chubb and uh, yeah, or like and who's that? Dream Hunt, Chase, Dream Hunt thank Chase you. Edmonds and James Conner. I guess it's right. Yeah. So that's kind of where I see him. I see him best served as a one B in an offense, but never a guy you're going to trust to be your RB one and risky to be your RB two. He's probably more of a flex play on a week to week basis at his upside. Cool. Well, now we know about James Cook, the running back, and James Cook, the 18th century explorer. We sure do. Let's we'll come back to both James Cooks at some point later we're on. We're just that? football on this podcast. Yeah, we're we're educated scholars. <laughs> so um, next, uh, we're going to talk about the other running back out of Georgia, and that is Zamir White. So Zamir White was kind of the thunder to James Cook's lightning. So he's more of the power back. He's six foot two fourteen. So he's got that size that we wish that James James Cook had. He was used more of a runner and less as a receiver, so he had 
400 rushing yards in 2019, 770 in 2020, and 850 in 2021. He also had 11 touchdowns in both 2020 and 2021, so he's got 22 touchdowns over the past two years. He ran a 4-4-40, so that's good for a guy of his size. That's what you're looking for out of a running back of that size. He's a tough runner. He picks up those dirty yards. He's the guy that's going to, if you, you know, the goal line, if you are third and one, you need that yard. He's the guy you send up the middle. He, uh, he's actually got some decent speed and acceleration to him, so yeah, he, he doesn't a, hit the uh, hole or dance around. Go. He was a, um, a really good track star in high school before he got to Georgia. And there you go. So tore both of his ACLs, so he zapped a little bit of that speed, but he's still running 4-4 after two torn ACLs. Right. And he tore, his torn ACLs were in 2017 and 2018, so he hasn't had anything since then. And, again, he ran the 4-4. So, he seemed, again, we talk about players coming back from them in the NFL after mm-hmm. a year. That happened in 2017, 2018, so that's been a He's while. Yeah. yeah, if it concerns you, the re-injury in the future, no, I mean, I'm not worried you know, about re-injury. I was more just talking about he's still running I, the 4-4. I meant, when I said you, I meant more of the audience. Yeah, that's you. what I was referring to. I oh, apologize. Yeah. but So, yeah, so, again, He's one of those guys that just kind of possesses above-average skills in each area of the field, but not necessarily elite skills. Like, he doesn't have elite speed, but he's got good speed. He doesn't have elite power, but he's got good power. So he's, he's a very balanced running back, and a guy you could definitely get behind being an RB1 on a team. So that being said, where would you be comfortable taking Zamir White? Are you higher on Zamir White, I guess, than James yeah, Cook? absolutely. There we go. I guess I go against the grain on that one. A lot of people seem to like James Cook over Zemir White. Um, but this, it's, it's a guy, he, he runs with great, I like his strength and his power. The one thing I really noticed, which kind of um, reminded me of another Georgia running back who's now playing for the Browns, Nick Chubb, the way his legs keep moving. Like when, it, when he makes that first contact, his legs are always turning. Like it's, it's impressive. He, he always picks up them, grinds out them extra yards, like you said. And this guy, I'm... I'm I'd be okay with taking in the first round, late first. I would also be more comfortable with Zamir White being a starting running back than I would be with James Cook. I don't know why I was stumbling on his name there for a second. So yeah, depending on you know his draft capital and his landing spot, he could he could work his way up to a late first. Yeah. So again, you that's where you're looking at. I'm looking more early second for Zamir White as far as running back goes. Again, that's just more value of the wide receiver and some of the other running backs that are here. But like again, if you took Zamir White at the end of the first round, I'm not looking at you funny. I think that's a solid guy to kind of get for your running back. Do so. Yeah. I guess we'd have to wait to see the season to determine how much effect he'd be this season. But that's kind of where we see him. We see him season a starting role at some point. Yeah. I don't see him being part of a committee. I see a team drafting him to be their RB1, and unless he falls in the draft, that's that's kind of how we view him. Right, I'm thinking after the uh, after the draft, we can kind of clean up our our predictions on what we think they're going to do next season. Yeah, just after again. we have a little bit more information and understand where they're going, and I think we can be able to give a little bit more right. detailed Now is a, is a good time to... Uh, you know, take a look, uh, you know. Samir White will have fantasy use this season. How much fantasy use is yet to be determined, whether that's flex play or RB2, I'll let you know. But that's how I feel about Samir White, whereas James Cook, I feel, is up. His his ceiling is a flex play this season is where I would say. Right, and I think a lot of what we're trying to get out of these breakdowns before the draft, uh, the reason we're doing them now is because we want to evaluate them before, you know, they go to a team and all that hype builds up. So don't want to end up 
with a situation where you go from valuing Jonathan Taylor as the best running back in the draft to then valuing Clyde Edwards-Alaire mm. as the best running back in the draft and hey, taking him in ouch. the first hey, round. Hey, man, you, you traded for Clyde. So. I did not. Clyde was included in a trade. I didn't trade right. for him. He was thrown in. He was essentially like a seventh-round pick thrown into a trade. Yeah, I didn't yeah, trade yeah. for him. Right. Uh, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Keep telling yourself. You're the one who threw him into the. You, threw, you traded him to me. You threw him in you the. You traded trade. for Clyde Edwards Alaire. I did not. I traded to move back in the draft to gain more draft picks. Yeah. You happened to give Edwards me Alaire. a young running back in the process that you were done with. Listen, like, dude, I don't know what you were doing that day, but you were not thinking straight. I gained draft capital that I needed to help my team. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, anyway, we're moving on to David Bell after that one. David Bell out of Purdue. Speaking of guy who could help the teams, if only he had to help himself a little more during the draft process. You got David Bell out of Purdue. Productive guy during his time there. I mean, 1,000 yards in his uh, rookie season 2019 with seven touchdowns. Shortened season in 2020, only played in six games, but 600 yards, eight touchdowns. Again yeah, exactly. Full yeah, season. Exactly. Yeah, what well, I was let, let's clarify this. At the beginning of this college football season was Rick is guy. Still is. Still totally, is. Still like totally is Rick is guy right here. 2021, 93 catches, 1,286 yards, six touchdowns to go along with that. So, very productive player at Purdue. Well, Rich, why don't I let you talk about him? He's your guy. Okay. Is he still your guy? Yeah, I still like David okay. Bell. All right, cool. I'm not, not as sour as everybody else in the combine performance. If he, he, We'll get to that. But So, he's got good size and strength for the position, right? He's versatile. He's lined up in a slot. He's lined up outside, right? He really understands how to get open against zone coverage throughout the tape. Um, you see him finding soft spots. Um, you see him staying friendly to the quarterback. Um, he's got great body control and ball skills. Plenty of times where he's he's contorting his body to make catches. Um, he's got great hands. Now, some of the concerns, you're looking athleticism. He doesn't have great top end speed. right? His combine performance was concerning for a lot of people. I'm not too worried. I think this is a guy who's probably going to be a, a late second or early third round pick in the NFL draft, and depending on landing spots, a guy I'm I'm, t- I'm trying to target in the second round of, of dynasty drafts. For sure, yeah. Uh, KTC has him here at uh, number 15 in half PPR, non-superflex. I mean, I think that's probably a pretty uh, fair assessment of what I've been seeing coming out of uh, the dynasty uh, verse on, online. Right, so... Just to give him some perspective then from the other side on David Bell, some of the more things that people can turn about as far as the testing goes, just his 40-yard dash around 4.65. Just comparatively to the other wide receivers in this draft, that's why people are kind of down on him. You know, we had a lot of guys run in the 4.3s and early and low 4.4s, and he was one of the slower guys there, which was a bit surprising. He doesn't play that slow on tape when you watch him, though. So that's one of those things where we have to try to identify why there's that disparity. It also kind of showed up in his broad jump. He just didn't seem like, you know, for the test for explosiveness, it was kind of not bad, but below what we were seeing from some of the other guys in this draft. So it's just one of those things where I think compared to the other wide receivers and the other testing that you saw, it was kind of a reason to, you know, it seems like this draft, everybody's looking for a reason to say, why shouldn't I take this guy in the first round? That seems to be everybody's thought. And I, Again, I'm just a little different where I feel like we don't have people that we don't have a lot of, we don't there's not 10 people in this draft that deserve top 10 NFL draft grades is what I think it is. But I think there's a lot of people that deserve mid to late first round draft picks like more than is actually available. So I think there's value to be had in that range, that mid to 
mid late first round, early second round, and all and even all throughout the second round, I think there's a lot of value. And so I think it's just one of those things where you hear people are down on David Bell. It's because just they're generally down on this draft, and they anytime anything they can find for a reason to be down on somebody in this draft, they're going to be down on them for that because then they can levitate whoever they want to, you know, elevate up there to the next level. So. One of the things I did like about David Bell when I saw him when I was watching the film, he's got good field awareness. So, like, he knows where the sideline is. He knows where the sticks is. He gets his feet in bounds. He gets the he gets the first down. He's not coming up short of the sticks. It was just something I noticed. He always seemed to, and even after catching it, he knows what move he needs to make in order to be able to get yards after that. So he knows if he has enough room to go to cut out to the sideline or if he's so close to sideline that he has to spin and cut back in and it was just one of the things that stood out to me watching the tape from him he's a small player yeah so i'm with you i'd probably take him in the he's probably going to go in the second round in the nfl draft or take him in the second round of a rookie draft as well i mean mean, it's it's a guy not only does he check the production box he, he checks the analytical boxes too great breakout age his freshman season right he had a a great dominator rating it's just this is a guy i'm high on so I think where we might come in a little different is I don't know how high his upside is, but I don't know how low his foot. I think he could be somebody like a Michael Crabtree, where he is consistently getting 14 points a week, but he's never breaking like 25 points a week, but he's also not giving you duds. He's That's a, how a I Timmy view. 10 points. Yeah, I, I can see. Just a, a better Tim Patrick. A little more, just to clarify, I, I see him uh, mainly projecting as a power slot. Okay. So we'll see what, what that leads to fantasy-wise, but... I, I think we'll be on the field for that, a team. Yeah. That could lead to a Michael Crabtree sort yeah, of very, very, production. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And that's not an insult. Michael Crabtree was a great was fantasy a receiver wide receiver. For a, yeah. Yeah, a few good years. All right, so that's going to wrap that up for David Bell. We are going to move on to another wide receiver. Another guy who some people are talking about being a power slot wide receiver. That is USC's Drake London. So... I'll start off with Drake London, and then I'll let you go because I know you've got some some things to say about Drake London based off of some of your digging into those stats. But uh, Drake London, productive wide receiver for USC, had 500 yards in his first two seasons, only played eight games as a rookie in 2019, six games in 2020 due to a shortened season. Again, he had over 500 yards, both of those. And then 2021, he only played in eight games because he suffered a fractured ankle in October, I believe it was. Late October, early November. I can't remember exactly one of those. But he did have 88 catches for 1,084 yards along with seven touchdowns in those eight games. He was essentially force-fed the ball at USC is what it is. And you go back and watch the tape, I mean, you can just see the quarterback isn't even looking at the field or deciding. He's just... Snap the ball, where's Drake London, throw the ball to Drake London. I mean, so this leads to something I know you're going to talk about as a problem with him. We'll come, we'll, let's loop back to that. Let's really do some of the positives before we go in on him. So he's got great size for the position. He's just under 6'4". Six, uh, six, he's 6'3 and 3 quarters. He's 219 pounds. He's one of the better route runners in this wide receiver class. That's one of the strengths that stands out about him, and that's going to make up for the problem that we're going to talk about later with him. He's got a good football IQ, so he knows he knows when to find a spot in coverage or when he's going to need to work back to his quarterback. So he's just a quarterback-friendly wide receiver. He always seems to manage to find a way to get to a spot where the quarterback can get him the ball. That's going to happen when your quarterback has to force-feed you the ball on your team. Again, I mean, this is one of the things where, like, his two... He played eight games, right? The other two top wide receivers at USC combined for 22 games. And 96 catches. He had 88 catches in the eight, in eight games. So, I mean, they were just 
they are just funneling the ball to him. So insane target share. He's got strong hands. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's not so much a shifty kind of, you know, juke you out sort of guy. More of just a, I'm either going to run through you or I'm going to stiff arm you as I angle away from you. Power run game, yes. So that's how he gets yards after the catch. Now let's talk about the problem. Some of the negatives, right? See, lateral quickness, right? This is kind of nitpicky, but sometimes he's got a high pad level, which I don't know. We'll see how that translates against press at the NFL level. And... um, Contested catches, right? That's where you were going with, right? Yeah, that was the thing that you were talking about before. Where he, the- yeah, he's in a uh, he's in a category with JJR Sega Whiteside, Jalen Rager, and um, who was the fourth? There was two other guys. One There's of them was a uh, who's the guy from the Nikhil Harry from Nikhil the Patriots. Nikhil Harry, yeah. And there was another wide receiver that I cannot remember off the top of my head. I could check it on my. All right, phone. so I was very concerned when I saw that, and as I started to dig a little bit more. Um, I kept finding more and more that was the quarterback's fault. The quarterback was throwing terrible passes. So I'm like, like so what is it? Can Drake London not get open, or is the quarterback throwing him into coverage? <laughs> so, so that's what I was going to say when I was talking about some of the things earlier, when I said he runs good routes and the quarterback kind of funnels the ball to him. I mean, if the ball is, if it's snap, throw it to Drake London, you don't even have time to run your route and get open. And I see a lot of times it's he's not running a hitch or a comeback route, but that's what he's doing essentially to make the catch, like you said, where it seems like he has to come back to the ball a lot. So, can he get separation? It remains to be seen. But here's what kind of separates him from those other guys. The guys you talked about, like, uh, you know, the J.J. Arcega Whiteside, Jalen Rager. There's one other wide receiver in there who's a smaller guy. Like, they're just, they're not... They're not 6'4", 220-pound wide receivers. They're not supposed to be in contested catch situations like that. So that's, that's what's true. concerning about those guys. They're supposed to be faster, shiftier guys, and Drake London is more of a guy that you can kind of say, it doesn't matter if there's a dude on him, I'm going to throw it to him. So that being said, so where do you come out on Drake London then? So I know, because I know before you were alerted, but now you're saying you've seen the film and you've changed a little bit on him. Where He's a top five wide receiver in this class. Easy. I'm going to rank them all out when we're done our, our prospect. Yeah, we guys. just need a general area rank. He's top so. five. He's a top five. How do you think he... Do you think he's a power slot at the NFL level? Or can he be a big on the outside? What do you view about that aspect I, of him? I think he has legit wide receiver one upside to where he's gonna he could do both. He probably will do both. And I'm expecting him to be one of the, one of the uh, the first wide receivers drafted. All right. Yeah, I feel the same way. Not much more to say. So cool. So that is that is that, that is that the last guy of the day? I think that is the last guy for the day. Is there anybody like an honorable mention we want to shout out Rich that we might not have time to do like a full deep dive on but you just want a quick like hey, keep this guy's name on your radar? Uh yeah. Um tight end from Nebraska, uh, Austin Allen. Austin dude, Allen. Dude is 6 foot 8 and he ran a 7 second 3 cone. He was the first out of the tight ends. Um, he's got great short area quickness, and he's six foot eight. I'm expecting him to be a red zone beast at the next level. Okay, cool. Not saying he's going to be your every down line him up tight end, or he's going to be like a consistent like top three at the position. But I think he's a guy who's going to give you value most weeks, being able to catch touchdown passes. A lot like Hunter Henry this past season, where he didn't see a ton of volume, but in the Reds it seemed like every single game he's catching a touchdown. Cool, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know over here. Like, I, I what I think about. You know, drafting tight ends. Um, you know, it's like you always got to think it's going to be a project. They're going to be if you're looking for a guy 
you know, a lot of times you you can get a guy off a of free agency during the year that might break out. Um, I know dynasty, depending on your league, you know, free agency can be pretty like you know thin. But at the same time, like you know, unless you're looking at a guy that is getting like really high draft capital in the NFL draft, I mean, they're going to be projects regardless. We we've we've gone over it, you know, multiple times. It takes typically about three years for them to break out, yeah. but. You know, hey, if you got your guy, you got your guy. Yeah. So I'll give a shout out to Ole Miss wide receiver Braylon Sanders. He's a bit of an older guy. He's never really broke out or you know had a huge season at Ole Miss. He just tested well athletically at the combine. So again, these are just these are guys that we're not going to do deep dives on because they're not somebody that we're saying to make a mainstay of here. But this is a guy late round when you're looking around and at, at the draft board and you're like, I don't even know who any of these people are. This is a name that if he pops up. Just his athletic testing and his general athletic, you know, build and profile could translate to a wide receiver, two wide receiver, three role on an NFL team, which, again, depending on deeper dynasty leagues, we're talking about wide receiver four or five. But right. that's yeah. that's what we're talking A late-round guy to keep an eye on. It's a guy, if you know, it, it comes down to can they get on the field. And if they can get on the field, you know, they could break out, you know. Um, for Definitely if you're looking at, like, rounds, if you even have round four and five in your draft, you know. <laughs> So yeah, we just assume everybody has five. Yeah, rounds yeah a lot of draft. people don't. Yeah, a lot of people end up uh, only having three, three or four. four yeah, man. so, but uh, awesome. Yeah, thanks for the breakdown. Today, so guys. that's gonna wrap it up for us for right now. We are gonna get a couple more episodes going, but until then, remember listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Until next time, I am Brian McNichols. Switch out, signing off. Yeah, Mike Coyle. We're Peace out. out.